Hello and welcome to the Piece of Candy podcast. My name's Alex. And his name is Alex. <laughs> and today we're reviewing a movie. Uh, but which movie? You'll find out after we cue the music. Play the funky music, black boy. That was the super cool, funky intro music. <laughs> it was. I made it myself. You did. Very did. impressive. Damn right. <laughs> Took me like five hours. It's awesome. It's very awesome. Yay. Anyway, to the film. <laughs> to the film. This week we are reviewing the film Some Like It Hot. Which oh, is... baby. <laughs> it's a classic black and white film from uh, 1950 came out uh, although you know you may be asking well, why is it in black and white you know colour films existed then that's because it's a period film um, yeah. Yeah, yeah lady parts lady business <laughs> that was one <laughs> uh, just so uh, no, Sound Like It Hot is a period film set in the 1920s um, with uh, a, a gangster theme sort of setting. Gangsters. Like gangsters, mobsters, mafiosos, all that jazz. The Sicilians. <laughs> the Sicilian mobsters. The friends of Italian opera. Ha! Yep. And uh, So, Alex. Uh, yes. You, this is the first time you've seen this film. Yes, it is. Uh, what did you think of it? I thought it wasn't too bad, you know. Piece of Yeah, yeah, piece of cake. Um, no, I, I did enjoy the majority of it. Um, and it's a little bit, well, I say it's a little bit like um, The Artist, which came out a few years ago, um, which was a silent film, silent black and white film, but obviously made in the modern century. Um, like It's kind of on the same line. It's got that... Uh, era of difference. <laughs> I said that sentence in the wrong order, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Just about. Um, and I thought the plot line and everything that kind of happened in it was quite, um, quite revolutionary for its time. Yeah, I think because well, it's got cross-dressing men. Yeah, full-on cross-dressing men and a hint of gay. A little, little bit of it. Just a little snuck in there. There's a lot of it. <laughs> there is a lot. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, well, at first you, uh, you, you, you think it's unknowing gay, but surprise, surprise, at the end. Well, nobody's perfect. Um, well, nobody's perfect. Uh, but this is one of your top all-time favourite films, though, isn't it? Yes, this is one of my absolute favourite films. Uh, well... Commence the gushing. <laughs> Commence. Gush away, I shall. Oh. Gush away. <laughs> tell, us, tell us more. This film is, for me, uh, it's, a, it's a pinnacle of clever writing, clever delivery, um, an intelligent plot makes sense, um, a really tight, well-done film narrative, and just an all-round good time, I'd say. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, yeah, well, there's the, the, that's it in a nutshell, really. Um, you uh, when you watch the film, it's it's amazing to see when we look this day and age when we have um, actors who are pouring out emotions and um, you know staring you know a millimeter away into a camera. Um, whereas this it. <sighs> It's such a. It's it's in a way. It's a breath of fresh air to go back to this kind of film, definitely, where, where things keep moving apace, but the characters the characters do have emotion, but we don't need to linger on them all the time. We don't need to hold on them, and you know we can take a break for uh, for comic relief when things do get a bit emotional. Uh, it's it's just really good. Well, why don't why don't we uh, get into a bit of a summary of the film? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let us do a summary. Indeed. If the internet decides to play ball. <laughs> Come on, you little internet computer, I know you can do it. Well, why don't you run us through the story, and I'll jump in with uh, each cast member as, it, uh, as they come up. So, in a nutshell, uh, two musicians named... Larry? Joe and Jerry. (laughs) Joe and Jerry, played by Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon. Yep. Um, They witness a mob hit by... Uh, Spats Colombo. By Spats Colombo. Played by uh, George Raft. Yes. Um, So they witness this mob hit. Um, They're in the wrong time, so they have to flee the state in an all-female band disguised as women. But then, of course further complications set in and mm. so on and so forth and they have a big old romp <laughs> a big old romp at the end um and they all have happily ever after hooray hooray um but uh, what <laughs> wizard appeared um so they go onto this uh they sneak in as females because they're both magicians one playing the is it the double bass uh yes double bass or... double bass and trombone yeah uh, it's trombone, yeah, it's trombone. Wind instrument. So they flee the state, they get on this train which is heading to Miami um, with this all-female band. But on one of the females, uh, Sugar, Sugar, Sugar Cane, <laughs> played by Marilyn Monroe, of all people, of all people, um, appears... So they both of both these chaps say, "Oh damn, that's a tall glass of water," which I still don't understand what the hell that means. Must be some weird Americanism. Um, both kind of you know fancy the pants off her, so you know it is a little bit comical. Both of them kind of trying to to woo her, both as females. Um, <laughs> Then they, they get to Miami because she's looking for a real rich millionaire husband. Because that's not sexist. Oh. <laughs> but all the millionaires are all old. And all old. Um, uh, and so, Jerry. Mm-hmm. Jerry. Um, oh, I get, I'm going to get the names confused so much. Um, so Jerry comes up with this brilliant, 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 brilliant plan. <laughs> Um, to seduce and woo her. 
So he sets it up so he is not dressed as a woman. He steals somebody's man's clothes. <laughs> um, the owner of the band, actually. Beanstalk! Yeah, Beanstalk. <laughs> he's not actually tall at all. He's rather fat. Yeah. Um, steals his clothes. Pretends to be the young um, heir to Shell Oil. Shell Oil? Shell Oil? I wonder how much they paid to um, endorse that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. The economics uh, of film. The economics of film. And he proceeds to woo her and eventually he gets the gal. Well, poor old um, Joe gets stuck with... Uh, J- poor old Jerry. As, Sorry, Jerry. As alter ego, Daphne. Daphne? Gets stuck with uh, Osgood Fielding III, an old millionaire, played by... Who's old? <laughs> played by Joe E. Brown. And <laughs> who is old and uh, very much besotted with her. But, very much. But conveniently is a real millionaire and owns a yacht. Yacht and diamonds. So many diamonds. On a pretty bracelet. Yeah. And a pretty, pretty, pretty bracelet. <laughs> well, the more catch up with the guys at, uh, at the hotel, the end of the film's a big, uh, big fun chase. Almost Benny Hillish at some point. Almost. Almost. Not quite. Not quite. But. Uh, nobody, nobody appears out of a door they shouldn't be able to appear out of. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's a no. near thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> And uh, they have a, a chase around the hotel before they all escape on Osgood's boat. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> now, uh, yeah, I, I, I would say, if you haven't seen this film, you really should go and seek it out. Um, you really must, actually. It's, it's really good. It's such a classic piece of cinema, and if you've never actually seen Marilyn Monroe acting in anything, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good one to go for. Um, I mean, Marilyn Monroe was sort of very much... The, uh, the the hot piece of ass to uh, to brighten up the film. Um, so <laughs> you'd like to yeah. think we've moved past that, past that these days, but we absolutely haven't. Uh, yep. And uh, and Tony Curtis, of course, was is well, is was um, a very big name. And uh, Jack Lemmon um, was a bit of an up and comer at the time. Uh, he although he had already won an Oscar as uh, best supporting actor. Oh, right, okay. A few bit years before this film. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a, a really, really stellar cast. And um, what's nice is that a lot of the mobster, uh, the Italian mobsters, uh, especially um, George Raft, who played Spatz, were classic uh, 1930s uh, gangster film actors. Oh. Um, so all the, all the old actual black-and-white mafia films that actually aired in the late 1920s and 1930s, had a lot of these, those, those old actors coming back for this film. And uh, George Raft in particular was a very big name in, uh, in the 1930s in particular. He was, um, he was known to have connections with uh, the actual uh, various sort of mafia bosses. That's oh, my. Yeah, well, there was, uh, there was another actor who got into a bit of trouble um, it was Gary Cooper, another old, uh, very old, big name, um, got uh, got involved with uh, a gangster's girlfriend, 
and ended up on a hit list. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear indeed. But George Raft managed to uh, to intercede on this uh, on this man's behalf and get him off the hit list. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Not all gangsters are bad. Well, just watch any gangster film. <laughs> They've all got hearts of gold, really. Uh, um. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, coming back to something at heart, um, yeah, truly, truly brilliant film. And I say I, I love setting of um, the nineteen twenties uh, prohibition era America. Yeah, I like to see that. That was fun to watch. Mm. It makes quite a quite a dramatic opening of the film when uh, you have the. But it's, it's it's almost a little confusing as to what's going on at first. You know, there's these people sitting in a hearse next to a coffin, and suddenly a police car starts chasing the hearse. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite scene was probably. Oh, I feel bad actually. You feel bad. But this is that this is my favourite scene, because oh. it's very manipulative. Oh, right. <laughs> Can you tell which one it is? Oh, um... I'm not sure, is it the one on the one on Osgood's boat, or...? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I really kind of it, really enjoyed that, more, I guess, for the uh, psychological value than anything else. That sugar is... <laughs> Well, Sugar confides in um, Daphne, uh, or yes. Well, what? A... How, how do you mean? It's... I think she she confides in either Daphne or um. Oh, what's his what's his female name? Uh, Geraldine. Geraldine is Ger- Ger- Josephine. No. Sorry, Josephine or Daphne. Josephine, that's right. Um, I can't remember either one of them. She confides that she's nervous about being taken advantage of. Mm. Um, you know, because she's she's a woman, um, and she doesn't want to, yeah, you know, give out on the first date <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I guess eventually she is kind of taken advantage of, but not in the normal way as the now uh, male sorry well she comes back thinking that she's taken advantage of him yeah exactly but really it's kind of a double bluff where he is taking advantage of her but it's almost even worse because he's making her think it's the other way around it's the other way around exactly because he pretends uh, as the shell uh, heir he pretends that he... Well, I guess he can't get it up, he, I suppose. He, he can't love anymore since his w- wife tragically died in the Grand Canyon or something. No, it, was, no, it wasn't his wife. It was like his um, betrothed or no, his, yeah. his first date or something, mm. or second date, yeah. who for some reason stepped off the Grand Canyon because well, she didn't... No, the edge was there. It's, it's their glasses, because Sugar gets the idea that she wants to marry a millionaire with glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so he invents a story that uh, his his old his old beau had had glasses, and they both took e- their glasses off to kiss each other when they were at the Grand Canyon. But uh, she didn't see where she was going <laughs> to kiss him and fell in. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> it's 
stupid. Ridiculous story. It's ridiculous and stupid, but of course Hugo believes it. Hmm. Um, and so he's like, oh, I can, can't love again. And so she says, oh, maybe I can help. <laughs> uh, and so she kisses him. Oh, no, it wouldn't work. Like, dozens there. of girls have tried before. I doubt you could do anything. Yes. Um, and then she tries kissing, and he's like, nope, oh, no, no. <laughs> but, but maybe try that again. <laughs> so she does. How about, she says, how about now? Mm. Uh, maybe it felt a little something. <laughs> Try again. <laughs> um, no, I, yeah. Where did you learn to kiss like that? <laughs> no one talks like that. Nobody talks like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird accent. Mm. I don't even know what he's trying to do. It's like Cockney English, but well, he's He's not... copying a, um, a famous actor of the day, and I can't remember who it is he's meant to be copying. Like. <laughs> um, Gosh. But yes, it, it's a very weird accent that he puts on. But, um, <laughs> as as demonstrated, uh, Jerry does call him out on it. Yes, uh, nobody talks like that. That's <laughs> why I like Jerry. He kind of brings um, brings Joe back down. Yeah, exactly. Not that it, <laughs> not that it ever really does anything to stop Joe. No, not that it really does any good, but uh, he tries. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Poor, poor Jerry is often uh, bullied around by Joe, and uh, made made to give up his diamond bracelet that Osgood gives him. He gives it to Sugar. Yeah, I love that line. Um, Sugar comes in and shows it to uh, shows it to Daphne, who's incredulous that uh, she's been giving it. She's been given it. So, oh, don't you like it? I always did. Yeah, I always did. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of uh, sort of clever lines, um, it'd be remiss not to uh, not to mention the character of um, oh, what's his name? The uh, detective um, who's uh, who's going after the mafia. Uh, um, detective Mulligan, that's it. That's play, played by Pat O'Brien, who is <laughs> out of all the people in the film, quickest with his comebacks. Yeah. And, uh, and and one-liners. Um, it was a great back and forth with um, Spats. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's really fun watching the two of them sort of verbally sparring with each other. Um, it only, only happens a couple of times in the film. But, uh, yeah, once at the beginning, when uh, the funeral parlour is busted. <laughs> and uh, then again when he meets up at the hotel... But, uh, although I particularly like his one li- his last line, which um, isn't anything particularly clever. To little Bonaparte. Little Bonaparte, yeah. When little Bo- when uh, he comes into the dining room and sees that little Bonaparte has uh, taken out, has killed Spats and his gang. And little Bo- Bonaparte says, "Oh, what? Do you want to make a federal federal case out of it?" And he <laughs> grabs little Bonaparte's uh, microphone hearing aid and yell and. Shouts into it, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> oh. no, it is a good film. It's it's it's, it's really fun. 
definitely a piece of fun. Definitely right there. How long? How long is it? It's an hour and a half. Um, yes, I think it's two hours. I think it's a. Uh... Yeah, it's full, full, full two hours. Yeah, uh, I'll yeah. tell you why a reasonably paced film. Mm. Like it is a reasonably paced film, apart from about the last ten minutes. Do you think? Well, I just feel. You know, everything's fine, it's got a pace and the pace and when I was watching and I was watching it, I was looking at the um how much time was left and it's you know, it's it's two minutes and they're still kind of in the middle of this chase scene. I'm like what are they gonna do in these last two minutes to sum up the film? Yeah. What are they gonna do? It does end very abruptly, but again that's yeah. car- that's the beauty of the ending. It's for me it's the best comedic ending any film ever ha- has ever had. Yes, one of my favourite scenes, actually. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and it, benefits, it benefits from being short. Um, mm. Although, in fact, the uh, the last line of the film, where uh, Jerry is, um, as Daphne, is trying to persuade Osgood that, uh, through for various reasons, they can't get married before, and uh, Osgood just saying, oh, that doesn't matter. I can never have children. Well, we can adopt some. At the end, finally <laughs> says, "Ah, oh, don't you get it?" He pulls off his wig and says, "I'm a man." Osgood <laughs> says, "Well, nobody's perfect," <laughs> which is wonderful. But apparently, that was um, originally just a placeholder line. For the- oh, yeah, they 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 try- were trying for ages and ages to think of something different, um, and. And even even up to um, when they were testing it early, but uh, it got uh, the, the biggest laughs. Well, some of the biggest laughs for the whole film. So they thought, oh, we've clearly <laughs> onto a winner with this just thrown in placeholder line for the just end of the film. That. Yeah, it's really good. And, uh, <laughs> whilst uh, Joe and Sugar are in the back having the uh, classic romantic. Um, Falling into each other's arms at the end of the film. Of course, we have thrown the boat. They all have these revelations. He mm-hmm. says, "Oh yeah, I'm actually a dude," and she's like, "Oh, okay." One of those. No, well, no. <laughs> I like that. Um, he sort of admits that, "Oh, I'm, I'm no good for you, sugar. You shouldn't have me. I'm one of those terrible saxophone players." And she says, "That's right. Pour it on," and <laughs> just grabs him and kisses him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "Yep." Yeah. I didn't really want a millionaire. I just want another dirty saxophone player. Who's going to break me like all them other ones. <laughs> With the squeezed out tubes of toothpaste. <laughs> poor sugar. Poor, poor sugar. Well, poor Marilyn, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had a, quite a tragic, time. Tra- tragic time of it all, really. Oh, yeah, she did have a hard time, didn't it? But uh, although, what what did you think of her in this film? <coughs> well, it's the only actual thing that I've seen her in. Mm. Um, I thought some bits were good, but I thought majoritively she's a very wooden actor. There wasn't much emotion, and oh my god, her voice annoys me so much. <laughs> yeah, she. Does have a certain something to it. I thought she was she was better at the scenes with um, 
with Joe, funny enough. I think she'd obviously she's obviously used to doing the romantic kind of scenes. Mm. And so she was quite good at those and um the back the yeah, when when she first meets him and sort of uh, Shell Oil Shell Oil She's sort of trying to uh trying to pretend she's sophisticated. The <laughs> Shell Oil millionaire. Um, yeah, I don't think she did very well with um, with them dressed as women. Mm. Yes, the well, it's the um, the scene where uh, she thinks he's dumped her. Um, she comes in uh, to uh, ask for the bottle of bourbon. It took her, oh, what was it? It took her eighty three times to get the line "Where's that bourbon?" right, which seems utterly incomprehensible to me. I mean, it's, oh, it, it is. It's it's three line. It's three words. Where's that bourbon? Um, and she just, and for some reason, she just couldn't get it. And all she had, all she had to do was walk in, walk in the door, and start looking around, looking around in a drawer, for uh, for a bottle of bourbon. But nope. And uh, they did all sorts of things like uh, writing, um, like writing the line on the door. Uh, outside, so she could see it, and then walk straight in and say the line, and uh, leaving pieces of paper in the drawers um, that had the line on it, so she could read it off the pieces of paper. But when they did that, she um, she got muddled as to which piece of furniture she was supposed to go and look in. Oh dear, I, yeah. I don't think she was quite right in that film. <laughs> Yeah, obviously. Was, was the last film that she did, or did did she do more? Um, I think she did do more. This was um, uh, this was possibly starting towards the end of her movie career. I'm not entirely sure um, about all her her, filmog- her uh, filmography. Um, certainly, she started. Oh, the, the last film she's credited with is uh, Something's Got to Give in 1962, which was um, just uh, just three years after this film came out. Okay. Um, but, you know, what what the difference in time for... Because, well, this, the film was... The film, something like it, didn't come out until 59, uh, but it was being made in uh, a couple of years beforehand. Um, so when when she last acted, I'm not sure exactly. But uh, it wasn't oh. long after this film that she seemed to give it up. Because she'd been okay. doing it all through the 50s and the late 40s. Mm. Yeah, she made, she made quite a few films. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, do, I do see the appeal of her. You know, obviously, she's, uh, she's a pretty face. She, um... <laughs> and I do, quite, I do quite like her singing voice, actually. I like the songs that she sings in the film. Mm. Yeah, and not bad. The last song when she's singing "And So I'm Through with Love" is is quite nice and sad and tragic in a way. Very. And uh, yeah, she does it. She does it well. So. Hi. Right, well, you've given us a few tidbits of trivia. Shall we get to the meat? <laughs> I think you've got a quiz for me first. Is that correct? Connect. Connect. Correct. Connect. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> one of my favourite films, so I hope I'll get most of the questions right. But you never know. Well, you should get these questions right. 
If you don't, then you suck. <laughs> oh, excuse me, princess. Excuse me, princess. I'll start doing a distic prick. Okay, question number one. <laughs> right. Which of the following is a famous tagline from the movie, mm. Some Like It Hot? Your Great Adventure on Alaska. The complete restored version of the 1953 French classic. <laughs> An unforgettable fable that proves love, family and imagination conquer all. The movie Too Hot for Words. I think it might be the last one. Okie dokie. <laughs> Com- the complete restored version of the 1953 <laughs> classic. No! Ew. <laughs> What character did Marilyn Monroe enact in the film? Full name. Kane Kowalski. Ah, you've been reading up. Okay. Which of the following actors is not a part of the cast of the movie? Marilyn Monroe, Tony Curtis, Tatsuya Nakakadai. That one. <laughs> you sure? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which of the quiz. following <laughs> Which of the following actors enacted the role of Joe? Tony Curtis. Yep. Who directed the movie? Uh Billy Wilder. Ooh, good at this. <laughs> Who wrote the movie? It was written by uh, Robert Furin. Ooh. Okay. We shall see. the button? Ah, there it is. Button, button, where's the button? Button, button, who's got the buttons? Please enter your name. I don't have... My name is... Mr. Podcast. Podcast. Mr. Podcast. Well, I am a podcasting expert. Are you? Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you know Just why? Just call me Barry. <laughs> you win! I did? You got 100%. Of course I did. And the average score was actually 57%. You are above average. These stupid people. Why don't they know everything about this film? Well, I've got some some trivia and some facts for you. Give me your trivia. (laughs) Did you know that the maracas Jack Lemmon used in the morning after scene uh, were used to give the audience laugh time? Oh. They thought that uh, all his uh, lines, his answers to Joe's responses would be uh, what the audience laughed at most in the film. And so after every one of his answers, he had to shake the maracas so that uh, the next line wouldn't be interrupted by the audience at laughing. I like that thinking. Um, did you know uh, Marilyn uh, had a mixed time on set? Although um, we said she had uh, big troubles with her lines. And uh, rather sadly, she was actually pregnant and miscarried whilst she was uh, filming this film. Okay. Um, she she still had a bit of fun on the set. Um, apparently, on the, on your favourite scene where she's on the boat <laughs> with Joe, 
Um, on the kissing scene where they're lying down on the sofa, she's lying on top of him. Apparently, what she would do is she would grind her uh, her crotch on top of his until she feel, felt him getting a boner. And as soon as she felt him getting a boner, she'd jump up so that everyone would see. That's really mean. That's very devious. Really fucking mean. <laughs> um, there was actually a scene on the train that was cut, which is the only uh, scene that was cut from the film, where... Uh, Jerry tries to sneak into uh, Sugar's booth without ha- realising that Sugar and Joe had swapped booths. And so uh, he crawls into Joe's booth, whispering how he's really a man, before Joe turns round and tells him that he ought to give him a sock in the face. Oh dear. Apparently uh, Tony Curtis had real trouble with his um, his woman's voice. Um, oh. keeping it consistent um, and in the end uh, they had to um, they had to do a combination of uh, modulating it and actually having it dubbed over with someone else oh there's a couple of there's a couple of scenes they do it very very well but there's a couple of scenes um, especially when you I think it's most obvious if you when he first calls up over the phone um, to uh, to pretend that they're these uh, two female musicians you can see it quite clearly there and uh, Tony Curtis was um, quite sneaky on set as well for the director Billy Wilder as a treat in the scene where uh, a mobster's meant to jump out of the cake and shoots bats Tony Curtis hired a stripper to jump out of the cake and do a cake striptease as is uh, often seen in bachelor parties and things um, apparently, Billy Wilder was a bit confused as to what was going on, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. before he he realised that it was meant to be a treat for him. <laughs> Wait, why is there a stripper in this scene? <laughs> Who ordered a stripper? Um, apparently, Jack Lemon um, had uh, real trouble at first. Uh, not that uh, not getting into character, but he was quite nervous about uh, being in drag. And uh, and playing the role, so to help him get over his nerves, uh, Tony Curtis uh, did a couple of things. First off, um, when they got into costume, they would go into the ladies' room and see if anyone would notice or say <laughs> anything, as they uh, stood by the mirrors and applied their lipstick. And uh, okay. if they if they were both uh, at the same party in Hollywood, sort of outside fil- outside of filming, this was before the film came out. Then Tony would come up to Jack wherever he was and uh, and ask him to dance, and they would dance together, oh. um, without explaining themselves to anyone around. Ah. Um, the American Film Institute has named it the best comedy film ever, okay. which is uh, quite a quite a high honor. But um, quite a high honor, yeah. And uh, the studio. Wanted a bigger name for uh, for the part of uh, of Jerry. Um, Jack Lemon wasn't a big enough name at the time, and originally they wanted Frank Sinatra to play the, uh, the part. No, no, no. But uh, after Marilyn Monroe was confirmed, they didn't mind so much. They thought she was a big enough name that the uh, the film would sell on her and Tony Curtis's names. Yeah, and so they were which happy. It which it did, and so they. Were fine for the other to be Jack Lemon. Oh, 
And I don't think Frank Sinatra would have done a very good job. Mm. It doesn't, would it suit him at all? Yeah, I, I don't think so. Well, you, you, you never know, but um, it's... Yeah, we never know, but can you see Frank Sinatra dressing up in drag? No. Well, yeah. No. <laughs> no. No. And uh, last couple of facts, which... Uh, oh, my God, how many do you have, man? <laughs> both about Marilyn Monroe. Um, we've mentioned before how she uh, took dozens and dozens of tries to get a one-line scene uh, right. But the drinking scene on the train, uh, she did in one take. And it's the only time anyone can ever remember her doing a scene in one take. Wow. And it's quite a long scene as well. It's quite surprising that she uh, she managed to do it all. And uh, they turned to her and said, well, were you happy with that? She said, yep. And then they moved on. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. uh, Billy Wilder, the director, had to uh, had to convince her to let the film be in black and white because she had it written into her contract that uh, every film she was in had to be in colour. Um Possibly because it was, you know, it was the new trendy thing, and uh, she mm. couldn't be seen to be old-fashioned and boring. Um, no, but he had to, uh, he had to sit her down and convince her that uh, the film would work much better in black and white, as it does. Cause... No, I think it does work better. Mm. Definitely. So uh, you know, you, you could see it almost being, if you if you didn't know, sort of how old the actors were and the year it was made, you could easily guess that it was made. In uh, in the thirties, or possibly even the late twenties, mm. other than uh, some of the themes being a bit racy for that time. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Even so. So there we go. There we have it. Mm-hmm. So, what's your score? Ooh, out of forty-two pieces of candy, I'm going to give this film. A thirty-eight. Oh, pretty high. Pretty high. Not my highest ever, but no, it's pretty high. Yeah, uh, as you've said, it's it, it misses out on the top scores um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, is um, Marilyn Monroe's performance well, not not terrible, well serviceable. Um, could have been better. And also, uh, as you say, the film. Is very sexist, even though it's you know it's film of its time and a time before its time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it is still quite sexist, despite uh, despite you know exploring these different kinds of themes. Um, yeah, so I'd say uh, it's only it's only four away from a top score. So yeah, yeah, it's not too bad, not too. Bad. Um, I'm going to give this thirty-five out of the pieces pieces of love left left. <laughs> I'm going to give this 35 pieces of candy. Yeah. Out of 42 mm-hmm. pieces of candy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, pretty much for the the same reasons. But I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a woman, but just misogyny. God damn it. <laughs> it really fucks me off. <laughs> um, and also just Marilyn Monroe... Clearly, she she was probably on a lot of um, drugs, prescription or otherwise, and she, her performance just wasn't wasn't there in a lot of the scenes. Mm. 
Um, but other than that, it's, it's a really good film. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say her performance detracts much. Um, it's, it's like I say, it's certainly like I say, it's serviceable, it's watchable. Yeah. And, and and I really do recommend if you haven't seen it, really really do go um, go out and watch it. It's, it's just a piece of fun. It's a, it's a very, I think it's quite, Fun. it's an important piece of cinema history. That too. <laughs> that too. Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, yes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so via our website, which is pieceofcandypodcast.wordpress.com. You can leave comments there, or you can rate and review us on iTunes. Um, it's and a review of the review show. <laughs> If there's anything you'd like us to review in future, then let us know, and uh, let us know. we'll consider it. <laughs> Mostly. Probably. Yeah. We'll get around Stop to it off. eventually, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Bye! Bye-bye.